Welcome to the WNCT Podcast Network. This is another episode of the People and Places Extra podcast. I'm Ken Watlington from WNCT 9 on your side. Today we're talking a piece of living history that sits just on the outskirts of the city of Greenville here in eastern North Carolina. It's the Eastern Carolina Village and Farm Museum. And it really is like taking a step back in time if you paid the place a visit, which I did recently for our People and Places video segment that airs on Thursdays at 5 o'clock on WNCT. If you missed the video portion of my visit to the Eastern Carolina Village after the podcast, just go check it out at WNCT.com. Just click the On Your Side tab. There you'll find the People and Places page. During my visit, I got to learn a little bit about what life was like on farms in rural eastern North Carolina between, say, 1840 and 1940. And it's not just because a lot of original buildings have been moved to this facility. They've got volunteers on site dressed appropriately in the time-appropriate garb, and it's a living history exhibit. Two of the folks I talked to are volunteers at the Eastern Carolina Village. They're on the board there. Holly Hogue is the president, and I had a chance to catch up with her to learn a little bit more about what this place is like, some of the events they have coming up in the future, and how you can get involved if you'd like to be a volunteer. How did you get involved in this place? I actually got involved because uh, I'm an anth- I was an anthropology professor at ECU, so I had an interest in history, and my son actually did his Eagle Scout project here, installing the historic flagpole out front. And once I started working with them, I thought this was a great mission and important to the region, and I've just kept with it since then. <laughs> Let's go back to the beginning uh, as far as what you know about how this came to be, because all this obviously was not here. Right. But this is all from the Pitt County and surrounding areas brought together to kind of keep history alive. That's right. It started in the 1970s with two men, uh, Connor Eagles and Les Turnage, who began for the bicentennial celebration to think about doing an exhibit of old agricultural artifacts. And it was out at the Pitt County Fairgrounds and it was so well received that they started to realize there needed to be some effort to preserve all these old farm buildings that were being torn down as development took place. So they gathered the buildings, they collected artifacts, it was all at the Pitt County Fairgrounds, but during Hurricane Floyd it flooded and everything was just in disarray and so they began to look for a new site and the county commissioners deeded this land to the nonprofit and we moved all the buildings here in the in the 90s at late 90s early 2000s and then finally by 2009 we were ready on site to open and this great location too just outside the city of greenville and if you go a couple miles down the road you're right in the heart of you know, farmland that's that's going today. So it's a really cool spot to kind of have it close to the town, but yet uh, near where some of the modern day farming is going on. Exactly, and it's in part of the county home complex. So we're with the farmer's market and the Alice Keene Park and next to the school, which is ideal for school group tours. Yeah. And this is also the original site of the Pitt County home of the aged and infirm which started in the 1850s to provide a place for poor people and people who couldn't take care of themselves. The original home was across the street. This was the original farm where everyone who stayed in the home had to work. And the barn here is original. And so they produced all their own food and even sold food to other people. You've got a tour group here today from a school. 
what will they see? What will visitors see when they come out and take a tour? Okay, so we have the historic buildings like our country store and our, our one-room schoolhouse, but we also have lots of different kinds of farming implements, things that represent life in the 1800s on farms in rural eastern North Carolina, and we do living history demonstrations. So the kids are learning to grind corn in a corn grinder and press apples for apple cider, or I believe that we have a woman down at the cabin who's doing her wash today. So how did people wash their clothes when there was no running water? Uh, and so we have a, early toys and games, a lot of activities that people can engage in when they come out to the community. And as folks can see as they're watching this, you're wearing uh, period appropriate uh, attire <laughs> to kind of add to the entire experience. Right, and especially for school children, it's feeling the experience of what life was like is maybe as important as learning the facts, yeah. and it sticks with them more. How important is it to keep this type of history alive? Because Modern day Greenville is known for the university, the medical center, uh, but it used to be a tobacco town. That's right. And as we mentioned, if you go just a couple miles down the road, farming is still a big part of life. How important is it to keep this piece of history alive? I think it's very important because it speaks to how the town became what it is today. And it made the fortunes of many families in this area once they switched to tobacco. As we see back here, we have our tobacco barn. But tobacco, as you know, has phased out, and now farmers are looking for new and creative ways to stay in business. Plus, we have a lot of immigrants in our area who all come out of farming traditions in other places. And so they enjoy coming out here to see, you know, what's shared about farm heritage and how did it build character and what can we learn from the past that will help us in the present. If someone wants to come out and get a tour, what do they need to do? Well, if they go to our website, eastcarolinavillage.org, or if they want to uh, look at our Facebook page, they can contact us. We'll set up a tour for them. We are also open two Saturdays and two Tuesdays a month, so people can come in and tour and find out more about our operation. And I'm guessing it's, it's not cheap to keep this alive and up and running, and there's always a need for monetary donations. Absolutely. We are completely volunteer-run. We're a 501c3 nonprofit. So we have no appropriation from the government. Everything we do, we raise the money ourselves and we depend on volunteer labor. So we love donations of volunteer time or of money, always. <laughs> At the end of the day, for you personally, how fun is this? It's a lot of fun. Um, I, you know, having been a teacher in the past and many of our volunteers are former teachers, so we love um, conveying these lessons and we're all interested in history anyway. So it's a great opportunity. Is there anything we haven't touched on that you want people to know? Um, I would just say we have some special events coming up, including a historic ghost walk where people will hear and see reenacted true tales of eastern North Carolina, like the story of the Pactolus Lights or the reenactment of the first witch trial held in North Carolina. So you can learn some history while also being uh, uh, maybe spooked a little bit. That'll be October 28th and 29th. And every year we do Christmas candlelight, old-fashioned Christmas for three, for two nights and an afternoon where people can tour the buildings and see how Christmas was celebrated. 
So after my conversation with Holly and a little bit of roaming around the grounds there at the village, I went inside what's a one-room schoolhouse dating back to 1903. It originally stood in the Fountain community of Pitt County, but is now part of the Eastern Carolina Village. Sharon Arnold is another volunteer. She's the vice president on the board of the Eastern Carolina Village. And before I had a chance to sit down with her to talk more about what happens on a day-to-day basis, she was actually giving a tour and a demonstration to a group of students from Beaufort County. And she also was dressed in appropriate attire for that period, maybe what you would see as a school teacher in the early 1900s. I am on the board at the village. I've been on the board for almost four years. I'm in charge, I'm the vice president, but I'm in charge of programming and of special events. So I do most of the curriculum. I taught school for 37 years, so it comes rather naturally. How exciting is it then as a former school teacher to be out here and being immersed in kind of a living history exhibit to teach future generations of how it used to be? It's very rewarding. It's, uh, you never know what's gonna happen. Every day is like opening a fortune cookie because you get so many different types of children. You get public school children, you get home school children, you get people just passing through. Uh, I taught school for 37 years and I said I would not substitute or go back in when I left and I'm probably spending 30 hours a week out here volunteering. It's so much fun. I've met so many nice people and the people that visit us are all wonderful. We're just now getting to the point that we're able to ask people to volunteer because we're moving into more of a living history museum than just telling stories about a place. And uh, that needs volunteers because we don't have any form of payment other than the children's gratitude and the immense joy you get from doing it. Um, We're also starting a membership base where you can join. It's like $20 for seniors for the year. It gives you a discount coming out. We have several major events during the year. We're getting ready to have a Halloween that is the first type of its kind here. It's going to be a historical ghost walk. And I love doing research. And so we've been researching all the 1904 obits and the 1870s here. So we have some pretty grisly tales and some interesting tales that we'll be reenacting around here on two nights, the 28th and the 29th of October. Uh, we do an old-fashioned Christmas for three days at Christmas when we, it's just like being in a village. Everything is decorated. We've had even like the Greenville Chorus here. This year I think we're going to have the Washington Choral Society singing and people making rope, people dipping candles, homemade cider and cookies and just uh, music, a, a lovely evening. As someone who spent your entire career in education, what's it like to be in this old schoolhouse and to be able to share some of the history of what this building used to be? I think it shows in a way that education has not changed, that it's the educator that makes the difference with students and that the one room schoolhouse was not very different from group learning, Montessori learning, where you have multi-age children working together. And even in public schools, you have the same thing happening in different programs they do now. Um, You do get to know children probably better in a setting like this because you're going to be the counselor and the teacher and the custodian. So you would know them on all levels. Uh, Children seem to appreciate what is here, but I'm sure they appreciate going back to their school after they've been here for a few hours. Probably want that technology back. 
Oh yes, I think so. Like one child earlier today asked me why, if this was from 1903, I had my, uh, Mac over there, and I said, well, I couldn't go anywhere without my Mac, <laughs> and uh, even here, yeah. but uh, no, it, it's a great place to visit. It's even more fun to volunteer. I was going to ask, how fun is it for you? How rewarding is it to, to volunteer and to be able to keep this part of Pitt County history alive? I think it's very important because I've been in Pitt County for 30 years. I'm originally from Texas, and seeing it change and becoming more urban and I remember when I moved here, I had to learn about tobacco drying sheds and wondered what they were, and they were everywhere. And now I rarely see them in the city limits. Everything's been torn down. Greenville is pretty good about modernizing and going with new and not necessarily holding on to old things. And I think it's important for these kids to see how people live for the majority of time we've been living in North Carolina. Uh, this new age they have now, has not always been this way and like with COVID a lot of people have had to go back to growing their own crops and being more self-sufficient so I think coming out here kind of reminds them of the virtues of such. You mentioned the need for volunteers someone's listening and thinks oh, maybe that's something I want to try how do they contact you how do they get involved? We have a Facebook page it's Eastern Carolina Village and Farm Museum and I take messages five times a day, I check it. And my phone number is on that website too. And so is the presidents of the group and we just answer the phone. Uh, we're looking for more volunteers right now just to help out with the crowds on Halloween. Seems exciting though. It is, it's fun and it's healthy and it, it's a good thing for the community. Is there anything we haven't touched on that you want people to know? Probably not, other than that they're not enjoying all they could in Eastern Carolina if they haven't come out to the village. So my thanks to Sharon Arnold, the Vice President, and Holly Hogue, the President of the Eastern Carolina Village and Farm Museum, for having me out to learn a little bit more about life on rural farms in Eastern North Carolina way back in the day. It really is a place though you have to see to experience. And to see a little bit of it in video form, go to WNCT.com. Click the On Your Side tab and there you'll find the People in Places page where you can watch my People in Places feature on the village and all of the other features I've done over the past few years. But it's definitely a place you'll want to visit soon. Again, thanks to Holly and to Sharon for their hospitality during my visit. That's going to wrap it up for this episode of the People in Places Extra podcast. I'm Ken Watlington. Hope you'll join me next time.